Welcome to this edition of DBSA's Real Recovery Podcast. For more information, visit us on our website, www.dbsalliance.org. We've been there. We can help. Hi, everyone. I'm Ingrid Dietz, Chapter Relations Vice President of the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance. The focus of today's DBSA Real Recovery Podcast is using your story to set yourself free with Mariel Hemingway. Ms. Hemingway has recently released two new books, one written in her teen self's voice titled Invisible Girl, and one a memoir of her life titled Out Came the Sun, Overcoming the Legacy of Mental Illness, Addiction, and Suicide in My Family. Marielle Hemingway is not only an iconic Academy Award-nominated actor from a celebrated family, she is also a prolific author, healthy lifestyle brand entrepreneur, mother, and a tireless mental health awareness and suicide prevention program advocate. Welcome, Mariel. Let me just start by saying yeah. we are just so incredibly honored to have you with us today to share a little bit more about your personal story, as well as your belief that sharing these obviously sometimes very difficult stories can help set people free. Well, that's exactly why I not only made a movie, but wrote two books, and my girls just look at me and like, really? <laughs> are you done yet? But um, I do it because I truly believe that that you know, exactly what you said, that by telling our stories, it does set you free. And and that's a quantitative sort of statement because it's a it's a journey. It's it's the beginning of finding what works for you. It's the beginning sure. of understanding where you come from and all that stuff. So there's so much that it's kind of loaded in that sense of like it's not just telling your story and then all of a sudden everything goes away, but it sure. it really is the be- is the beginning of, of 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 a greater understanding. Definitely, definitely, definitely seen that to be true with lots of people that it can really help set the stage for getting better. Absolutely. So let's talk for a minute about the two books that just came out. You chose to write two separate books, one chronicling your life and the other written kind of more of a diary from your childhood. Why was it important to you to approach your story from those two different angles? Well, I, you know, I really felt that Invisible Girl was, was, was really the voice of the most, um, the most innocent and unaware person. And yet, interestingly, I was, I was very, like I was protected in a way. It was like I was guided towards doing doing some very healthy things and I'm not even sure why, but I think that it was um, really important to give voice to, to those kids out there that, that are in families that may not look normal or feel normal mm-hmm. and, and how they feel about their lives. It feels confusing. So it's the most confused time, I think, of our lives. You know, I think mm-hmm. that we, and especially in a household where communication skills were so poor that, you know, it, it, there's so many kids out there that don't have anybody to talk to, to that understands where, where they come from. Definitely. And that kind of, it just, it opens up a, a an interesting point. You know, you grew up with both of your parents struggling with alcoholism. You had sisters who had various mental health struggles. It, that's a lot for anyone to handle. And you were dealing with it as a as a very young child. Were there things that helped you through that, or how did you manage it? Well, that's, you know, that's another reason why I share kind of what I did. Like, I I am, 
I mean, I think the the reason that I, I found sort of my right path was that I was always connected to nature. I was always about getting outside what, mm-hmm. in whatever way that you could possibly do it. If you could get outside, if you could connect in nature in some way. I mean, it was ri- cold rivers just, like, made me feel, like, alive and electric and mountains and the air and wind and all that stuff is corny kind of as that sounds. It really... <laughs> It really helped me to feel okay because I think there was a an um, sort of an unknown but the very deep connection to to God that I felt by being outside because we weren't religious as a family. I mean, we went to church. I don't know twice a year <laughs> the way some people do, um, but we. Uh, but I really felt that sense of spiritual. You know, for for lack of a better term, spirituality by by getting outside. And I think it's what, you know, I think that hope and, and having a, something to believe in that's greater than ourselves is, is, is a tremendous help to anyone in in life in general, you know? Mm-hmm. Certainly. And, and, you know, there's just study after study of the, the benefits of being outside and being exposed to nature. So I, I can really understand where that would be true. <laughs> yeah, right. And 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 it's yeah it is true they've done studies at Harvard's done studies and just the the idea of silence too the mm-hmm. fact that I I wasn't meditating then but I was by myself I was in this you know the stillness the silence of outdoors which of course there's tremendous amount of sound outdoors but it's but it's a it's a it's a kind of sound that is that is calming and 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 it's like. It's like a meditation. So I think in some ways it was like doing a mindful moving meditation. I think those were those were things that really sort of helped me survive. And then there was like bizarre things like being a little bit too anal retentive and things like an OCD person. Like I had to – I mean, I and I laughed because it wasn't clinical, but it was, you know, order meant so much to me. Sure. You know, being able to keep things clean and ordered and like – how my room was and if if there was something that happened with the family and there was a party and there was crazy amount of you know alcohol and stuff I cleaned that all up because I didn't want to have signs of it and I thought if I removed the signs of any kind of discord then then I could pretend like we we led a normal life Hmm. it's very interesting so you know, we know obviously that mental health conditions like depression often have a genetic component to them. Um, were you worried about following in your family's footsteps in that respect? I think that um, I think my whole life was in was kind of in terror <laughs> of, mm-hmm. yeah. of you know waking up one day and being crazy like my sisters or sick like my mother because my mother had cancer and my father had heart disease and, you know, mm-hmm. being addicts or something. But then what I realized is, and that's part of the reason why I believe that telling our story brings us freedom, is that when you really understand your background, you have choice. And, you know, it, yes, there's um, genetic predisposition, predisposition for mental illness, but there's but that also came from um, addiction and lack of communication and lack of understanding. So that addiction led to a deeper kind of mental imbalance. So I really do believe that lifestyle and 
really understanding your story has the ability to give you choice. And when you have choice, then you can make different choices, healthy choices, um, balanced choices, choices that make you feel connected and, and okay. And, and it's different for everyone. You know, mm-hmm. somebody's, somebody's blueprint for their own balance and good health it might be different from mine. You know, it doesn't mean that everybody has the same solution, but there is solution that, and there is choice within, within that, even though you may be, given a, a, a you know a delta hand of cards that is is like a bummer but mm-hmm. i i really believe that we have the power to change our destiny um by the choices we make by the lifestyle we lead that's just my belief you know i'm not a doctor it's not it's not based on anything but my own experience well and i think that's you know, that's the key point it's it's your experience and that's what worked for you and that's what we find time and time again um, for people living with depression and bipolar disorder, that it is different for everybody, and everyone kind of has to find what tools, what system works best for them, but that people can get better and, and live wonderful lives. So it's just great yeah, to hear that. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think that that's really what people need to hear, because you hear so many of the horror stories of what happens and, pe- you know, my, my – I, I have friends that lost their son because of bipolar. And bipolar is, you know, really a vicious, it's a vicious mental illness because, you know, it, you, it, it quite often happens to really brilliant people. You know, they're mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. incredibly smart and they're so full of life and all that stuff. And, and so we hear those horror stories, but sometimes we need to hear that that's, there are solutions and there are ways for many of those people to live productive lives. Um, I'm not a big believer in all the different medications, but I know that there are many people out there that can live very productively. I just think that we need to look at lifestyle as well. We need to, we need to incorporate that into the, the whole solution. So it's, you know, if, if somebody needs medication, but how are they eating? How are they exercising? Do mm-hmm. they meditate or, you know, is there prayer on the, whatever it is. I just think it's everything we do because our brain is so profound. So to think that it's separated from the body is kind of absurd. Definitely, definitely. And I think we're seeing more and more evidence that the physical health and mental health are just so linked and everything yeah. has to be in balance, as you, as you say. Right, right. And that's a journey every day, too. I mean, balance mm-hmm. doesn't – you know, it's not like – What's really interesting to me about my, you know, because I suffered from my own depression. Um, I was depressed most of my life. Now, that I I battled that with, and I don't want to say battle. I did, you know, through lifestyle, through all different things, um, and doing and doing things to the extreme. I didn't do them correctly for a long time, you know, but I was trying until I found found ways that work for me. But I find that it's it's an everyday kind of journey. It's like some days you need this. Some days you don't, you know, it's about being very mindful and aware of, of how you function in the world. Yeah. And I think having, having the knowledge of lots of different tools and opportunities that are in front of you. So you can, you can pick appropriately and and not be struggling trying to find something that works that day. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you didn't really start sharing your family story until about 2007, right. right? Yes. And I, I mean, I, I thought I was sharing it, but I, but I realized that as I was kind of, 
you know, growing and understanding myself. And I was in this long marriage. And then by 2007, I really, I got out of, got out of, it sounds like I was in prison. (laughs) I left that marriage because it didn't work for me anymore. And um, I, as I kind of went to my sense of independence and, and left this sort of kind of codependent relationship that I'd been in for a long time that was my way of surviving and hiding in certain aspects, I started to uncover that stuff in myself that was like no longer working for me anymore mm-hmm. or, you know, so I I was kind of telling it on the surface and it got deeper every year. Mm-hmm. Um and and yeah, and then I made the documentary about my family, um, and my own sort of trying to understand the suicides in in, in the family and all that. Right. And that was really profound. And then after that, I really realized that I had more of my own story to tell and my own perceptions and my own um, way of sort of dealing with my own life that I felt was really help going to be really helpful to other people and it's it's proving to be you know it's only been out you know what my book's been out two months right um, yeah, very new. but it's it yeah it's very new but it's proving to be really just really helpful to others and and that makes me so happy because you know my story is not unique and that's what's interesting about telling your story is that you realize that you're so connected and like other people you know, we all think, oh, that person lives in, you know, Hollywood or whatever. Sure. Or whatever nonsense people want to think. And it doesn't mean anything. You know, we're all human beings trying to be better, healthier, happier, trying to raise our children well, trying to understand our connections and our families and all that stuff. You know, whatever choices we're making, even if we're making addictive choices, people want to be it loved and healthy and happy, and and yet we sometimes just don't know how to do it. But when we mm-hmm. understand that everybody else is connected to us, then it, there's this sense of, like, camaraderie. Because one of the things that I like to say is in mental illness, so take the I out of illness, put in we, and mm-hmm. we create wellness. Yep. And wellness is, is, is a community solution. It's a we. It's us coming together, holding hands and going, hey, you know what? It's great that I'm learning about myself alone, but it's even better if I can do it hand in hand with some of the, with everyone. Because, and that's the thing about the mental illness stigma is that it affects everyone. So we all need to join together and just go, hey, this is part of everybody's life. You know, whether we want to admit it or not, it just is. And that's okay. Nobody did anything wrong. Let's just, you know, figure out the, the solutions that work the, the work for us as individuals. But let's do that together and not feel alone. Yeah. And that's so important. I mean, I think more than anything else in my years at DBSA, the message you get so frequently is that people feel so alone and they feel like yeah. no one could possibly have gone through the feelings that they've gone through, not because they feel like they're special, but just they're so difficult and you know situations are yeah. so heartbreaking and when they discover that there's this community out there whether it be dbsa support groups or friends and family or whoever I, they're just so amazed at you know, they're yeah. not alone so many people have gone through this yeah. in all different walks of life 
I know. I mean, it doesn't matter how much money they've made or not made or what, you know, it's just, it just is what it is. And, and that's, and that's, it's so like, oh, you feel, oh my God, I can talk to you. You know, it's just amazing when people feel heard. And mm-hmm. that's why I wrote both books. You know, Invisible Girl is really about feeling heard because I think that's another thing about childhood that's so difficult is you just don't feel heard. You know, I, and I also grew up in a generation that if you talked, my parents would say, don't talk back, which basically meant, please don't give us any of your opinions because we're not interested. But it was also the Mad Men sort of 60s, 70s. So sure, sure. I don't know. You know, but, um, but I think that that happens still in families, you know, where, where people don't want to discuss the things that scare them. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think sometimes people aren't aware of what kids take in they kind of believe that kids are not seeing or hearing or feeling things that they oftentimes are so it's it's oh yeah i mean i think it's the biggest joke that that uh, yeah i think it's the biggest joke that when people like think that they're talking under their breath and they're keeping things around like kids know you don't even have to say it they know and and they're the snake they're sneaky little devils (laughs) (laughs) they They figure it all out Oh, do you think you mentioned a lot of different things that you felt were benefits of sharing your story? Do you really do you feel like it was just kind of the desire to help others that's been particularly helpful or were there pieces that you found really helpful to you as you were going along? Uh, you know, I I I think that it it just takes the courage to open your mouth. You know, mm-hmm. finding a safe space a safe place. I mean, that's why I think writing is so incredible, like journaling or, you know, you don't have to publish a book, but, but journaling and, and, and connecting with your story when you kind of try to take it out of yourself and, and put it on paper is really a powerful tool. It's a very powerful tool because it becomes, you know, everybody has that fear that, oh, if I go, if I look back at some of these scary things of my childhood or whatever. And I just don't want to go there. I don't want to relive that. Well, you can't relive anything. You know, memories can have no bite. They can't really hurt you. They're just memories. Now, we can feel emotion. But but when you take it onto the page, it separates it from you. It doesn't mean you won't cry. I mean, there's so many things in the book when I was writing that just, I would just cry as I was writing them. I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. You know, it was like a re, I I would I would mourn my mother again. I would mourn mm-hmm. my father. I would mourn the death of my dog. You know, like, it, but oh, yeah. I was also, but it was so healing. It felt, it felt good. It was, it, it hurts, but it hurts in a different way. It doesn't hurt in a way that you've been, been wronged. You know what I mean? So it's a different kind of thing. And, 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 and memories really pulled out of you are so, they don't have any power anymore. Mm-hmm. I know for me sometimes it's also the feeling of once it's written down, I don't feel like I have to carry it with me quite as much. It's it's right. there. I don't have to remember it necessarily. It's already already written down for me if I ever need to revisit it. Right, 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 right. Totally. So I, I just you know I read through Invisible Girl and it definitely resonated with me, and I, I suspect it will with many people. 
that childhood is just such a complicated time. You know, we, we want our freedom, but we want our parents to set limits. And we don't want to be noticed, but we want to feel important, and, we you know, we want people to know that <laughs> we're not around. So, you know, it's just all those kind of conflicting <laughs> Um, emotions and, you know, difficulties that we kind of go through as children. What do you really hope that young readers will get from Invisible Girl that they'll come away with? Well, well, what you just said is I think that's the key to childhood um, like confusion is that all those conflict, conflicting thoughts. I wanted to be invisible and I made myself invisible, but I didn't really want to be invisible. I wanted them to pay attention to me. So I kept, you know what I mean? So it's all these things. So you're doing certain things because you think you'll get love by behaving in this manner, which gives you a bit of attention, which brings you into the spotlight, but it doesn't do it too much so you get in trouble. Like there's all these difficult – I think it's just complicated for kids to understand that how they're negotiating their lives is actually quite quite complex and, 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 and very intricate. And I think when they when they understand that it's it's okay that they're they've got all those conflicting thoughts that that's that's quite normal, and mm-hmm. that and that there is there is an ability to be more carefree. I think one of the things that I felt so I I think that I longed for was a sense of not worrying. And I mm-hmm. think that I I worried so much as a kid, and I think so many kids worry. And I would like them to know that there's a there's a life without worry. It may not happen in their childhood, but it but it will happen. Mm-hmm. That, that, that there will be a life where where they are the owners of their feelings and their and their choices, and they'll be able to move into the world and feel good. And I and I really think there's times in your in our childhoods when they're complicated like that where you feel like will I ever be carefree like my friend Sarah you know or whatever mm-hmm. you know and maybe there isn't a carefree kid you know maybe right, there right. isn't maybe it's, that's the maybe that's the big joke but but you know there is an adulthood that exists where you get to be happy you know where you get to make choices and you get to be happy and you don't have to feel like in the shadows mhm certainly Certainly, and that is very important to remember. And, I, you know, I think childhood is very heavily comparison. You know, you are comparing yourself to other friends' families and other friends and people you see on TV, and it's um, it's refreshing to kind of hear from somebody who went through very difficult things, and I hope that um, many will be able to to get that sense of camaraderie, community uh, that you've talked about. Yeah, I'm just super, I mean, yeah, I'm just super, super excited to connect with the kids. I mean, that's kind of been the next stage of this because I've done a lot of, you know, foundations, which I love speaking to foundations and speaking to, you know, my age group, but, or, you know, from 20s to to 80s, whatever. But Mm -hmm. connecting with kids, like, that was, because that was such a difficult time for me, I just feel like I'm, I've got a lot to say and a lot to hear. You know what I mean? And I think because that's the time you don't feel heard, that for somebody who, you know, they may not know me, but they know that the the person in front of them has kind of a history or a a famous name, whatever. You know, I'm not not somebody that's part of their vernacular and part of their whatever, their childhood. But 
but they know because they go to school and whatever. And to be heard by somebody who's had life experience, I think means a lot. I mean, I, I know the people that influenced me when I was a child, like my uncle or, you know, just my, my godparents who listened to me. Um, people that were admirable when, when, um, Anne Bancroft on the set of Lipstick listened to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, I think it's why I was so, I loved making Manhattan because this kooky guy, Woody Allen, listened to me. And, and that's powerful. You know, we think, and, and for, for all, not for the weird reasons that we think that that's, those are important stories. Those stories are important because I was, I was heard by people that were admired in the world. And I, I mm-hmm. didn't know what that felt like. You know, so I think that that's, I think that's going to be really, Super fun. Mhm, mhm. Yeah, if someone important is listening to you, it has a whole, whole nother level. <laughs> yeah, totally right. So, a lot, a lot of your previous work, as you talked about, has been around like healthy living, yoga, meditation, eating healthy, all those kinds of things. What are some of your favorite wellness tools for staying healthy, both mentally and physically? I, I think I briefly mentioned them, but but really lifestyle is key for me. So I wake up in the morning and it's uh, all about being quiet. You know, I do my, you know, quote unquote chores. <laughs> I see chickens and dogs and hummingbirds <laughs> and all that stuff. But I, I spend the morning like in quiet. It's very important to be still and quiet and, and how I do the smallest things, like how I make tea, how I feed the hummingbirds. How I just do those, I call them the chop wood, carry water things, you know, the, the, just the simplest things really kind of, it's how you start your day. And then I, I meditate in the morning. Um, I meditate twice a day. Sometimes I only make once a day, but I, I try to meditate every day. Um, mm-hmm. that's super important to me. Um, how I eat. You know, whether I exercise and it's not extreme. I used to do everything extreme and now it's all about like being not extreme, being mindful and balanced. And, you know, when I eat food, it's local and I try to eat as organic as much as possible. I grow a garden. You know, it sounds idyllic, mm-hmm. but these are things that I know are really helpful to our mental well-being. You know, because we all have stressful lives. We all have to make the mortgage payment or we have whatever we have to do. Sure. We have to, there's certain stuff that you just have to get done and the, and you get scared and you wonder, you know, holy shit, what would be like? Oh, I don't know if I can make it, you know, whatever. But if you keep the normal things in your life very quiet and peaceful, it helps you. It helps balance you out. So, you know, food, exercise, water, breathing good air, just the simplest things are so mm-hmm. important to me. Yeah, and I mean, that's important to remember because I think sometimes we feel like you have to go extreme, like you said, or you have to go into kind of very new agey or unfamiliar um, ideas and tools and it really doesn't have to be that that way. It really can focus more on just the everyday things, the small things. Absolutely. Well, I could talk wellness tools all afternoon, but um, <laughs> we need to get, get wrapping up. So just one last question. So if someone came to you and was looking for advice, 
kind of overcoming a difficult history, what, what's some advice you might give them? You know, it's it's kind of like the 12-step program, which I've, I've never actually fully done, but but it is taking one day at a time. It's about knowing that the journey is not about having an epiphany and all of a sudden everything has changed. It's about mm-hmm. it's about the journey. It's like how we started. It's about finding those things. And they work today and maybe they don't work so well tomorrow. Maybe you have to find something slightly different. But it's about it's okay and there's nothing wrong with you. I think that that's probably the message I would like to give people most. There's nothing wrong with you. You didn't mm-hmm. do anything wrong. You're not a bad person. You know, mental illness is just like anything else. We, there's a solution. It's just about finding the right one and giving yourself a break, being kind to yourself. Be self, self-awareness self and self-love, you know, which I thought was kind of creepy for a long time. <laughs> but it's actually really it's profound when you can actually say, which I can say, and I never could for, you know, well into my 40s. That I love myself. I thought that was such mm-hmm. a bizarre concept. But to say it and to feel it, that means that you're on the road to really being independently free and and aware and well. But it's a journey every day. Well, thank you so much for your time today and for sharing your story. I personally really believe in the power of sharing from your experiences, not only to help others, which I think is why a lot of people do it, but I also just truly believe that it helps you kind of learn more about yourself and uh, get to the heart of things. Absolutely. You're so right. To learn more about Mariel, her work, and her two new books, Invisible Girl and Out Came the Sun, Overcoming the Legacy of Mental Illness, Addiction, and Suicide in My Family, you can visit MarielHemingway.com. Also, we're very excited that you'll be joining us, Muriel, as a keynote speaker at the DBSA Ida Wee weekend event on September 25th to the 27th. So we hope all of you listeners will be able to join us for that. And you can learn more about the event by visiting the DBSA website. And thank you, listeners. We hope you join us again for another DBSA Real Recovery podcast. Be well. been a production of the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance. For more information, go to www.dbsalliance.org or call 1-800-826-3632. We've been there. We can help.